Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. I invited you into this conversation today for our church family on both campuses because you've got a really, really powerful, uh, very emotional story that we really want our people to know. And um, one of the things that we do at Community of Hope from time to time is highlight uh, different folks in our church who have a story to tell. And one of the things uh, our church has heard me say on more than one occasion is that when we are sharing our testimony, we are lending faith to others. And when we are hearing someone's testimony, we borrow faith from them. And Joe, you've got quite a testimony in which um, you can lend a lot of faith to us. And you have a testimony that when people hear it, they're gonna borrow, borrow faith from you. I remember riding out to the airport and everything with the girls and Kelly's parents had taken us out there in their van. As I got in the airplane, then they brought Laura in to sit next to me in the right front seat. And uh, so she's my little co-pilot. We taxied out, engine started off fine, taxied out to the end of the runway, and I did my engine run-up inspection. Everything checked out fine, and it's after that that my memory goes blank. Well, and the reason your memory goes blank is, and what we want our congregation to know, is actually somewhere after takeoff, There was a mechanical failure on the plane, and the plane crashes. And in a moment, in a blink of an eye, you lose your entire family. So I'm in a coma for 10 days. And so when I woke out of the coma, I asked the night nurse, I said, where is Kelly, where is Laura and Tara? I said, Joe, they were in the airplane with you. And they didn't survive, and that's when I lost it. I said, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Because I knew my father and my sister, who actually attends Hope East, had come up there. And so I knew when they got out to the hospital to see me the next day, that they would tell me. I would ask them, okay, where's Kelly Laura Terra? And that was the worst day of my worst life. day of your life the worst day is when i found out well and i i have to say you know joe the first time i heard your story and we got emotional together i think in starbucks that afternoon you know me learning for the first time and uh you know a lot of times um we hear these stories you see them in the news and all of that and then to, to be able to know somebody who has lived through such great loss and such great tragedy and come through it. Yeah. The, the, the question that would come to my mind, to everybody's mind, is how did you find the hope to go on uh, after this you know, happened to you? Tell, tell us about that. Well, it was the second month in, or third month in the hospital, uh, so I was in the hospital almost five months. And that's when some Christian neighbors had come in to witness to me. Mark and Pam Marino were some neighbors in the neighborhood that I lived in. I knew them, but I didn't know them personally as friends. Uh, just like you know your neighbors, you know. So they had 
<clears throat> coming to witness to me and asked me if um, if I want to see my girls again. And of course I said yes. Yeah. And they said, well, you can do that by accepting Jesus in your heart, you know. And, wow. and that's when Mark read to me Romans ten nine. Yeah. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, yeah. you will be saved. Yeah. You know, your your faith became more real to you. Yes. So, you know, I think, and one of the things we often talk about at Community of Hope is that a lot of us have some Christian memory. We have, we have some distant experiences with faith, but um, life will require of us more than just distant memory. In right. fact, we're looking at a verse right now in our series that um, the lead-in into that verse, which is that we should, you know, be ready all the time to give a reason for the hope that lives within us. This is what you're doing. This is the power of your testimony. But also that it, uh, Peter was writing and he said, in our hearts, we should revere Christ as Lord. So you, you look back on that time as a time when your faith deepened in a tremendous way. Yes. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Eric Stewart. I'm the director of student ministries here at Community of Hope. And what you just saw was this interview that uh, Pastor Dale had with Joe, and just an incredible story, unbelievable story. And what Joe really gets at is this question: Is where is God on the hardest day of your life? Where is He at? Some would think that God is far, far away, nowhere nearby. He can't be nearby. And some would say, actually, I think God is so near that he's the one orchestrating everything that's going wrong in my life. And Joe says, neither. Neither are true. And he's got this, uh, actually, a longer interview. I want you to, uh, to go online, check out the bigger interview with Pastor Dale at communityofhope.church.com. Joe. He gets his own website because it's that good of a story. It really is. And uh, I want you to check that out. Maybe as well, um, check out his book, Soul Survivor. Um, maybe that's something you'd be interested in, in, uh, in reading more of his story and how God has just entered his life in this amazing way. And it's right in line with this series that we've been in called Handoff. Um, what it means to, to grab hold of faith from others and pass it on to others. I mean, that's Joe's story in a remarkable way, and it's something that God wants to do uh, with each of us as well. So uh, before, we, uh, before we go on uh, with the series, I want to, uh, to call some attention to last week. Uh, last week, COH Espanol joined us at this campus. Yeah. We want to see a, a few of the pictures um, from that time. So we set up 120 chairs, but there were 180 people, so we had to find some more chairs. Yeah, that's a really, really good thing. And uh, we did find more chairs, otherwise we'd have to like crack open the windows and sit in the courtyard, and it's too hot already for that. So we found some more chairs. Um, we're so excited to have uh, uh, <laughs> one church in two locations in two languages. And they're already prepped now for Easter. They said, okay, so we're going to do 
two services. All right, so that's what we're doing uh, both here and in the fellowship hall, 9 and 10.30. In fact, uh, even as Hannah said earlier, it might be that you're in space to, to be able to attend one and serve one. And for others, you might say, I want to attend this one and I want to attend that one. I, I want to check it out. I want to get to know them. I encourage you to, to do that, whether it's uh, uh, during that or maybe grabbing uh, coffee with them in our lobby or later uh, with the Easter egg hunt that's happening at uh, two o'clock today. There may be a good time um, to get to know these dear brothers and sisters who are with us. Just so excited um, for everything that's going to keep um, happening um, with that Holy Spirit-driven movement in our church. Well, uh, today we are finishing up our series on handoff. I was blessed enough to be here when we started the series back in March. And if you remember, and as you can see now, we have um, the tags um, hung up here. Where on one side of the tag, we, we wrote the name of someone who maybe led us to Christ or was most influential uh, with faith in our lives. And on the other side, we wrote those people we want to see come to know Christ or maybe come back uh, to Christ. And so we've been praying uh, for these people, and we want to continue to pray for these people. We're all looking towards next week um, with Easter and, and what it means um, to hand off faith to others. And so uh, we're going to read our theme verse together one more time. So ready, go. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Um, those are truths that we should always look to and embody when it comes to speaking about Jesus. Um, it's a challenge before us, but it's a really good challenge. So we've been on this journey together uh, and uh, my wife and I have actually been on a journey as well. She's the pregnant lady in the front. Um, so, yeah, hey, we'll take those claps. Come on. And many prayers as well. Just don't hold back. Just keep bringing it, right? Um, we're a little under six weeks uh, now from D-Day. Uh, due day. That's uh, what I mean. Um, but uh, even though Katie and I uh, have different, uh, slightly different personalities, we all, all, uh, we all, all three of us, I don't know. We, we share, we share an adventurous spirit. That's always been true for us. We love to go on adventures together. And three years ago, we actually were able to do this month-long road trip across the country. Uh, since she um, is a teacher and I was in seminary, then it, it just made sense. And plus, all our friends had moved all across the country, so there were nothing but free places to stay at. And that's the way to do it, people. That's the way to do it. So we were eating tuna sandwiches in the car and like going across. Don't think about tuna right now. Please don't get sick. All right. So... I want, I want to share just a few of the places uh, on our journey. I want to show a few pictures to you guys. So this is Petrified uh, Forest uh, National Park in Arizona. A beautiful spot, uh, kind of just strange and weird and bewildering at the same time, but absolutely beautiful. Um, the next picture is Chapel of the Cross in Sedona, uh, Arizona. That is a church built into the rock, which was like, 
pretty crazy, right? Uh, I was like, we gotta, we gotta go to that. All right. Um, and then we have Grand Canyon, of course. We have to have like quintessential, uh, photo op, tourist photo op right there, the Grand Canyon. Um, uh, Big Sur, California, off the, the coast of California. We just took the, the long way up on the coast there. Love that. Here's Katie at, uh, Ghirardelli. She, she was considering, hey, how long can I pull the Augustus Gloop of Willy Wonka and swim in chocolate before they arrest me? That's, this is the moment that I caught her in right there. Uh, and that's in San Francisco, which is also home of Alcatraz, which is this strange place. I'm going to be honest. It's intriguing and weird and amazing and strange. And that's why I'm making that face. Um, Next, we have uh, Yosemite, uh, which is just a beautiful place. We have uh, a few pictures from there. The next one you see, uh, me and my sister-in-law, Meg, so that's Katie's sister there, and then the two of them as well um, there. So, oh my gosh, beautiful place. Definitely want to go back to that. Uh, And then you see weird things on the road, um, like a houseboat, like it's literally a house on a boat, and... I, I kind of love it. And there's even a bike on top. And that just, that just makes sense. I don't know why, but it does. And eventually we ended up back home on St. Simon's. Um, and I uh, got to reunite with family there after a long, long journey. Now, so that was a wonderful journey. It was a great journey. Now, there were also many journeys within the journey. And there were a lot of hikes that we went on. And one of them, uh, one of the longest ones was, was 12.6 miles and about 90 floors of walking. Uh, but that happened in Los Angeles. And I know what you're thinking. LA, they're known for hiking. They're not. They're not. But, but there's a story behind it. And here it is. So we get to our friend's place at 10 PM in LA and uh, they live off of Hollywood Boulevard, and so there's absolutely no parking anywhere. And they said, oh, we'll just, just find a spot on this, one of the side streets, and if you can't do that, then park on Hollywood Boulevard. And I was like, things I don't want to do. Park on Hollywood Boulevard. Are you kidding me? That sounds like a bad idea. And I'm wrestling with that, and then they were so kind to say, you know what? You can take our spot. We'll park on Hollywood Boulevard you have to move your car at 7 a.m. anyways, so we'll, we'll do that. I thought, oh, this is great. What a blessing. All right, so then, uh, then we actually go to the parking, which should be the easy part. And the way it was set up was kind of like an open garage, like a garage with no door. So through a series of events, I end up like backing the vehicle into the spot. And so I'm just watching my sides, just left and right, left and right. And I see the front and I see them. I'm right even with the wall. I'm like, you know, I should go back just a little bit more. That's what I should do right now. And I do just ease it back. I don't remember the next three hours of what happened because I was in shock. And then Katie took over life for both of us. What we didn't know is that there was this brown wooden cabinet hung into the back of the garage And the edge of it was right, even with where the back glass would meet it. So uh, there was no damage to the metal on the vehicle, just the glass, that's all. And it shattered everywhere. And we thought, well, we're not going to go anywhere anytime soon. 
um, we're going to have to leave that right there because you don't drive around in L.A. without a back window. And so uh, we called Safe Life Repair, Safe Life Replace, and <laughs> we were able to get hooked up two days from that point. But uh, that next day, we went on our hike down Hollywood Boulevard. We ended up at Griffith Observatory, and you think, oh, man, what a strange picture. Why don't you take that picture? Well, it's because the sign is right there. Uh, it's so small. So very small. Why even take a picture there? I don't know. We did. And then, uh, then the next day, we went down Colorado Boulevard in Pasadena, and we got a new back glass right there. Look at that. Wow. Isn't it shiny? All right. So... <laughs> It was, it was a wonderful journey. We have so many more pictures, so many memories, so many stories from that time. But journeys, uh, as much as they can be exciting, can also have some bumps and bruises along the way. Um, in fact, they can have some losses and some great sorrows along the way as well. But it matters greatly to have people to walk with it through. Um, friends and family, certainly, but not just friends and family to walk through the journey with. Um, There's more. And that's exactly what we're looking at today is what it means uh, to journey together. And so we're looking at um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Um, You'll see 13 through 21 in your Connect folder. We're going to read all the way through 35 to get the bigger context and the bigger story. And so we're going to read that together. So now that same day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. Side note, this is Easter morning. Jesus knows what things happened, okay? But, all right, but he's, he's asking questions, okay? So what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, 
for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you um, by way of the Holy Spirit and just ask that you would speak to us today. Um, speak to us and be gracious to, um, to show us where we're at on the journey and um, what we are to do on the journey with you. Um, Lord, we love you so much. Guide our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So this story um, called The Road to Emmaus uh, is such an impactful story. In fact, many of us are familiar with uh, The Walk to Emmaus. Um, there are these you know, weekend retreats in this bigger Emmaus community um, that really just focuses on the love of Christ and how great that love truly is. I was able to go uh, on the college version in 2005 journey. Uh, I went uh, Day Spring Christmas Journey number nine, Table of the Travel Sham Mockeries. Um, some of y'all understand that weird language. Um, but it's, uh, it's not just the, the weekend retreats that enthralls this story. For many, it's um, even uh, depicted in artwork. We see uh, Rembrandt um, has this picture uh, at the table with these, these two men as he's breaking bread with them. Uh, and even one of our own, Bill Gaylor, painted this, an amazing, amazing portrait. Um, what this road was like. Yeah, you can, you can cheer for that. That's pretty... That's pretty amazing. And, uh, oh my gosh. Um, but this, this journey, this road, this walk was all going towards Emmaus. And uh, Emmaus is not exactly known where it's at today. It's been kind of lost throughout the years. Um, there is an idea of where it might be. Um, there's a road coming from Jerusalem that's about seven miles long journey. And actually, this is a picture of the road. So just picture um, being with Jesus on this road. And what do we note? What do we see um, happening this day? So this is Easter morning. And what's happening? These two guys are walking away. They're walking away from what has happened. They're walking away from the biggest event to ever happen in history. And where is Jesus? Well, he's not like in the temple in Jerusalem proclaiming victory and rubbing it in everybody's faces. Like, <laughs> told you. You know, he wasn't doing that. He was on the road with people who were walking away. I think that's something for all of us to consider. Of like, where, where do we spend our time? When we're, when we're trying to, to reach out to others and we're trying to hand off faith, 
Who are the people who are walking away from faith? Who are the people who are walking away from Jesus? Maybe those are the ones that we keep going after. And you see, Jesus doesn't like catch up with them and say, hey, guys, no, hey, the parties are back here. Come, just turn around, just turn around, let's, let's do it. He just engages with them and continues walking with them away um, from this biggest event. He plays it cool. He plays it cool. But if you listen to what they say about Jesus, they're not really following him yet. They're not really there yet. You see, they, they were like, hey, we hoped he was going to be this person. We know he was a prophet, but we're just, he wasn't who we thought he was going to be. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. Um, if you remember from the video, Joe Townsend, um, he shared in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This was not the point that they were at. They had not seen Jesus as Lord yet. And how do we know that? We know that because of how they treated their circumstances. Now, here's the thing. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, circumstances can still seem overwhelming. They can still grab all your attention and you can be very downcast from them just as these guys were. That's true. Even this past week, um, there were some circumstances in my own life I looked down at and I just was so heavy-hearted looking down at them. But I remembered this story. I remembered this story and I stopped and I said, no, no, (laughs) I can't just look down. I have to look up. I have to invite Jesus to become Lord of my circumstances too. I have to invite him into that space for him to speak. What do you have to say about these things? What do you have to speak over them? Can you be Lord of those things and just control those things and just bring me closer to you in the process? I had to do that as a Christian. But these guys were not there yet. They looked at their circumstances and they said, you know what, the situation we're in, that's going to be our conclusion. That's just how it is. We thought he was going to be this great person. He wasn't. That's it. We're out. We're walking away. They hadn't seen him as Lord quite yet. But in this process, in this journey, Jesus teaches us some things about what it means to hand off faith. What it means to evangelize. And and evangelism is seen as this dirty word, and it's just not. It's just not. It can be the hope of glory to others. It can be that hope that Joe grabbed onto and was life changed for him. And we have to embrace it. Oh my gosh, God might use me to change someone else's life. And so there are some guiding principles that we can learn from Jesus today as he does some of his best work on this journey to Emmaus. The first thing that he teaches us is that handoffs are done best when we walk with others. When we walk with others, when we journey with others, when we do it in relationship. So it's not just a going, you know, it's not just a, well, we're going to go door to door and we're going to be, you know, those people. We're going to knock on those doors and we're going to see a lot of people peeking through the blinds and like, oh gosh, who is it? I can't tell. They're wearing suits. Run! You know, like, you know, maybe, maybe it's not that. But maybe it's not a Billy Graham either. 
We have to expand our ideas of what it means to, um, to really walk with others, that it's done in relationship. And that's one of the greatest things about it because there are going to be times, there are going to be times when, yes, people come to know Jesus in a moment. And there are going to be times when they come to know Jesus over time. Um, these guys, you see them, they're coming to know Jesus over time. But even if someone comes to know Jesus, let's say there's a Billy Graham crusade, right? All these people come to know Jesus for the first time and everything. Well, you know what? The last thing they need is for someone to tell them about Jesus and say, well, good luck in life. We'll see you later, you know, and walk away. You continue to journey with others even after you know Jesus. Why? Well, one of my favorite stories uh, from a, a, a pastor uh, was when he came to know Jesus in, in that moment, he uh, went and celebrated with a friend by rolling a joint and smoking it because he didn't know how else to celebrate, okay? So <laughs> there's more to learn after you meet Jesus. There's more to grow in after you meet Jesus. And so we do it together. We do it together. In fact, there's uh, this pastor, Wayne Cordero, who says this, He says, the greatest evangelist is not a D.L. Moody, Billy Graham, or the pastor of a church. The greatest evangelists are the individuals who make up the church. Each person has unchurched loved ones, friends, or family members, each needing the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Through these genuine relationships, a verbal witness is given, an invitation extended, and a non-churched person becomes willing to investigate Christianity. So it's not just the pastor, it's not the Billy Graham, it's not the D.L. Moody or any other famous Christian you know. It's the ones who can actually be in relationship with others. So handoffs are done best when we walk with others. And as we're walking, Jesus shows us another point to pay attention to. Watch for the hurting Watch for the hurting that's happening um, within your friends, within your family members, within your neighbors, within your coworkers. Um, if we look back to Luke 24, you see these two men, they stood still, their faces downcast. They said, but we had hoped. And not only that, it's the third day since all that happened. I'm not sure why they were splitting hairs over the second day or the third day. It would have been amazing either way if it was the second day or third day that Jesus came back. But for them, that was like, oh, well, I'm out. 72 hours, we're going. That was where they were at. They could only look down, but they were hurting. Deep down, they were hurting. They were wanting more. They were desiring more. They wanted to believe so badly. And Jesus said, okay, we're going to stop right here. I'm going I'm to speak to your pain. I'm going to notice your pain. I'm going to notice your disappointment. And you hear the words he says like, oh, how foolish. Oh, he's not just calling them fools and saying, well, you're all wrong and good luck. It's not that. There's compassion in his heart. He's like, you just, you don't get it yet. But I want to show you. I want to connect it with you. And he begins to teach them and continues to walk with them. And he's showing compassion. He's healing everything that they have that's broken inside of us because there's something about the brokenness of life that opens us up to God. Joe's story was so full of brokenness. 
And yet in that space, he had people in his life who were caring and loving enough to come in and say, listen, Joe needs hope. He needs to know that life is actually not over, that life can actually begin for real this time. The real deal can begin in this space. And so they spoke to him. Some of you may still feel a little hesitant about being bold enough to share that. And I want you to know that no matter where you're at, there's a way to step forward into this. And in fact, I'm going to share, you, share with you a story that's like so not impressive. It's ridiculous, but we're just going to make it real. Okay, so when I was in college, um, my friend Brian, uh, who I actually worked uh, Emmaus weekends with, um, Brian was this great guy. He was still new to faith, though. And I graduated from college, and he was transferring to another college because of his major. And in that time, I, I stayed connected with him. I wanted to hear, like, how are you doing, man? How's it going? And he just said, I'm, I'm struggling. I can't find a faith community. I can't find anyone to continue to walk with through this life. And it's just downhill. And uh, to be honest, it got worse. His um, ex-girlfriend started dating his roommate. That's super weird and really sad, right? I know. It's like, everybody's like, oh man, I'm downcast now. All right, but life was hard. And what was I to do? I was so far away from him. I thought, well, Brian, I know two people in that town. I can give you their contact info. I can connect you. That's what I can do. That's it. I mean, I can, we can keep talking, but we're not walking together necessarily. You need someone close. That's all I did. I sent an email. I sent an email. Do you have an email? You can send an email. You know what? You can do snail mail too. That's okay as well. That's all I did. I'm not kidding. It wasn't this long drawn out thing and like, let me now write a sermon for you of how you will walk together in life and Jesus will grow each of you and it will be great. It was not like that. It was, it was a phone number. It was an email address. It was a name. And that was a pivotal moment in Brian's life because what I couldn't do for him, all these other people could um, by the power of the Holy Spirit and through Jesus. They changed Brian's life. What I did was nothing. Not in the sense of how we think something is. Not in a human sense, but in a spiritual sense. It was what was needed. And we need to expand our ideas of what it means to hand something off. So I want to take a second, just a second, for you to think about someone in your life right now who is hurting. Just where you are, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you the name of someone that's hurting and needs the hope that you have to give them. Keep praying that prayer. And keep remembering those names. So handoffs are done best when we walk with others. And as we're walking, we need to watch for the hurting. And as they're hurting, ask questions and listen first. This is what Jesus did. He asked them the question, what, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Like, you don't know about the things that are happening in Jerusalem? Oh, no, what, 
What things are those? I'm so curious. Tell me about those things. Jesus knew. He didn't have a big reveal or anything like that in that space. And ta-da, it's Jesus. I'm here. That wasn't his deal. In fact, it was one of the most amazing things about Jesus um, that he asked those questions. Um, Jesus in the Gospels asked 307 questions. He was asked 183 questions, and he answered three questions. (laughs) If you ever struggle with that idea of like, oh, God hasn't answered this prayer yet. Well, this is a good understanding of his mathematical equations when it comes to questions. Don't feel alone. Jesus might be asking you some questions in that space. Maybe those are things that we need to listen to, is him asking us questions. But if it's you and another person, Ask them questions. Engage with them. Jesus was relational. He was genuine. He was emotionally intelligent. And he listened to their story first. Um, for some of us, uh, we, we get nervous, maybe nervous around non-Christians and knowing like, oh my gosh, should I share? Is it okay to share? I'm not sure that this is the space to share or to ask those questions and press in. Um, Start with asking them questions about their story. Eventually, eventually they will get tired of you asking questions. Then they'll start asking you questions. They'll, they'll be intrigued. Like, why? Why are you so interested? Why are you interested in me? Why do you care about my story? I want to hear your story. They will engage back. And as we ask questions, and as we listen, and as we watch for the hurting, be patient and trust God to work. Be patient. God is the most patient out of all. And he walks with these two guys for miles, um, just talking with them and listening to them and creating this bigger understanding for them. And we think maybe Jesus is, is too slow, but he's, he's not. He's not slow at all. In fact, in 2 Peter 3, 9, it's this beautiful verse. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's not slow. He's very intentional. He's very patient. He's patient with us, and he's patient with them. And that's something that we have to trust. Like there's a right time to hand off faith and just do it in relationship. And in 2 Corinthians 4, this beautiful, beautiful verse that helps us understand everything. And in verse 4, it says, The God of this age, like Satan, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But in verse 6, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. There is a spiritual battle going on. And we are in a culture right now that is distracted, that is addicted, that is drunk on everything that's happening in the world. Know that there's a battle going on and Jesus himself is stepping into people's lives and he's trying to get their attention just long enough that they're open to the hope that he has to give them. They're open to something that lasts longer than a momentary break from their afflictions. He wants to give that to them. 
And he wants to use us in the process. So be patient with those who don't get it yet. Be patient with those who have relapsed again and again and again and again. And you feel like you're just hitting your head against the wall. But the, the story, the conclusion is not over yet. There is a battle. Jesus has won the war. The Holy Spirit is fighting those skirmishes that are still left over. And he wants to use you and me in the process. Be patient. Don't give up. A good question that I've been wrestling with lately is who am I not giving up on? Who am I not giving up on? I am too human. I need God's help to not give up on people and to not give up on God using me and reaching others. But God's doing things that we can't even see. And one day you might be surprised at who comes to faith. As we come into this Holy Week, as we look towards Easter, we want to think about those who are coming next week, those we've been praying for, those who have still been on our hearts to continue to pray for. And actually, we want to stop and pray for the names on these tags. We're going to stop and pray for those who are going to be in our midst, who may be open to the gospel for the first time or open in a very special way um, to this hope of Christ. So let's, let's take a moment to pray for them. As you are Lord over our circumstances, would you be Lord over these names, over these stories that are represented by these tags here? Lord over the stories that will be coming into our midst next week. Come near, come near, Lord, in ways that we could never do, Father. Be great and gracious and change lives, Father. We plead on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Would you stand with me if you're able? Um, Each summer at Community of Hope, we want to offer a study, something that, you know, a lot of small groups might take a break for the summer. We want to offer a study that's not just for Christians. It's a great and wonderful space to invite others into, um, to to invite people who who might have questions, who might have struggles, and they want to to know. They want to ask those questions. And so this summer, we're doing Fresh Start. Now, it's not going to start for a while. We're still in April. I get it. But we want to start praying We want to start praying that the Lord would reveal those names of people that we can invite them into and just say, hey, I'm I'm going to save a seat for you. I'd love if you came. Um, You might have questions and we might not have answers, but let's talk about it together. Um, So I want to take a moment, um, ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you some, some names of people who could benefit from being in this group together.
Holy Spirit, continue to speak these names over us. Don't give up on us, Lord. Don't give up on us. Keep throwing those names to us. Remind us of people that we can just talk to. We can just ask those questions. We can keep journeying with and we can come near in their hurting and uh, and come near in their celebrations and joys as well, Lord. Lord, be gracious. This week as we come to Easter, Father, let us just revel in your glory and what you have done and celebrate with you all over again. Jesus, we love you. Go with us as we go from this place. In your name.